So several years ago, I was having a conversation over coffee with a young woman who was attending Emmanuel, but hadn't yet joined Emmanuel. A young woman who was dipping her toe in the water and was drawn in by what the Lord was doing here. It was encouraging to her. But she had not yet gone from dipping her toe in the water to taking a plunge in the water. And you know the difference. There's a huge difference between letting the cold waters of risk wash over you completely, covering your whole self. She was afraid to do this. She was really concerned, and here's why. Because this particular individual uh, was intuitive and smart, and she was really thinking things through because she had trusted communities of faith before and gotten hurt. And so understandably, she was being really careful because on the one hand, she wanted to dive in. She wanted to know the incredible, refreshing experience of, of being immersed in community, of being immersed in a family, not just being an isolated self, not just being kind of an individual, doing individual things, living an individual life, but someone who is rooted deeply with a family. But that was a hurtful experience before, and so she was being very careful. And I could sense the hesitation as we talked of, on the one hand, wanting intimacy, but on the other hand, concerned of uh, what would happen if she gave up her independence. And it's kind of like, you know, what am I getting myself into here? <laughs> what am I getting myself into here if I go from dipping my toe in the water of this community to diving into this community? In other words, it was sort of like, what's Jesus going to do in my life if I join his family? What's he going to do in my life? What, what's he going to supply for me if I join his family? Will it be good? Will it be bad? And I remember, you know, just as a pastor, leaving that conversation going, I really don't know what her decision is going to be. I really don't know because I could really feel the wrestling. There are some things that can only really be tasted and seen on the other end of completely diving in. There are some things that Jesus will provide for his family that you're not really going to be able to, to, to know and to feel and to experience until you're a part of the family. And so I want to talk a little bit today, if you find yourself in the same situation that this young woman was in, of, man, what does Jesus provide on the other end of joining his family? What's it like? So let's talk about uh, uh, three different things from an early vision, an early, an early uh, historical uh, snippet from the early church in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Look at what Jesus does for us. You can turn there in your bulletins or Bibles, Acts 2, 42 through 47. What does Jesus do on the other end of commitment when you join his family? What's he supply? What can we hope for? I wish I could have opened this text at that coffee and just gone, let's dive into this together and let's look at what is possible on the other end of joining Jesus' family. So I didn't think of it then, but we're going to do it now, okay? So the first, the first gift that Jesus applies is maturity. The first gift that Jesus applies on the other end of committing to his family is maturity, Maturity, growth. Acts 2.42 says this about the 3,000 people who, who joined Jesus' family. 
And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, esteemed uh, biblical scholar F.F. Bruce points out the fact that the verb uh, used for devoted themselves, they devoted themselves, is so strong that we should probably translate it, they persisted together. They persisted together. They leaned in together. This was not um, a, uh, something where they were meddling with the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking bread in the pairs. They were diving in together. They were persisting together. They were persisting together in learning the scriptures, listening to the apostles' teaching. They were persisting together in the fellowship, which was not stale coffee conversation in the church basement. That's not what fellowship was. Fellowship was the shared family experience where they are doing life together. So not only do you need to be mature in the scriptures, understanding what they mean and what impact they should have on our life, but we also need to persist together in the relationships, and our relationships need to mature, and we need to grow in our emotional health, and we need to grow in our conflict skills, and the only way to grow in relationship is to be a part of a meaningful family of people who are not just together for convenience, but together because they're covenanted together. And there was maturity in those relationships that was growing every day as they devoted themselves and persisted together relationally. So they persisted together in the scriptures. They persisted together in their relationships, the fellowship. They persisted together in the breaking of bread. There's a definite article here for the breaking of bread very likely that this is the first celebration of the Eucharist, the first celebration of the Eucharist that the early church participated. When Jesus said, this is my body given for you, this is my blood poured out for you, they, they uh, practiced that as we practice that, and they were persisting together. They were there. They were present for the Eucharist. They were present for the breaking of bread, the common meal that they shared as a church in Christ. And the sacraments of Eucharist and the baptism was anchoring them, was deepening their life. So they weren't just floating around Jerusalem and Judea anymore. They were anchored in the kingdom of God. And they persisted together in the prayers. This is the earliest expression of the liturgy that was rooted in Jewish worship, early Jewish worship. It was adapted on the other end of Jesus' death and resurrection. And they persisted together in the liturgy as well until it got in their bones. When I first started studying at Wheaton College as a grad student, I heard about a very specific group of people. They had a, they had a very special name. It was the Conservies. <laughs> Maybe some of you have heard of the Conservies. The Conservies were named after the building that they spent 80% of their life in, which is the Conservatory. And the conservatory was where they would gather day after day after day to persist together to devote themselves to music theory, to devote themselves to the playing of the piano and the cello and perhaps the harmonica. I, don't know, I was in the conservatory, so I don't know exactly what they persisted <laughs> together in. But they were devoting themselves to mastering something uh, that they had not yet mastered when they began their studies at Wheaton. They persisted together. They humbled themselves under these disciplines, and they grew into mastery, and they grew into maturity until by the end of their time, they were a different kind of person. 
They were a different kind of musician on the other end of being a conservi. Now listen, the church here, the early church and the living church today, you know what we are? We're a bunch of conservies. We devote ourselves together to the apostles' teaching. We really lean in to the teaching of the scriptures. We really lean in to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We really lean into the fellowship and all that, all that requires relationally. This maturity allows us to have deeper roots in our faith as Christians, deeper roots in our, um, uh, in our walk with Christ, which means that our fruit in the world, bearing fruit in the world, our fruit is going to be mature as well. It's going to be rich. It's going to be satisfying. But the only way for us to grow in maturity together is to join Jesus' family. Otherwise, we're like some random tree in the middle of a field rather than part of an ecosystem of trees that are all persisting together in their rootedness and in, and in bearing fruit. Do you know that there is a group that meets in Jefferson Park at 6 a.m. for morning prayer? <laughs> Here from Emmanuel. These friends are persisting together in the prayers and in the apostles' teaching. Do you know that we're starting small groups in this season? In fact, today's the first day you can sign up. We've got, uh, we've got groups that are going to go from September through May, not every day, but once a week, persisting together, meeting together for the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and a breaking of bread uh, through hospitality and the prayers of the church. And they're going to meet week after week after week, not for the sake of doing just mindless religious activity, but for the sake of persisting together into the maturity of Christ. We cannot be mature and completely independent at the same time. We've got to commit. And the early church was committed. So maturity is one gift that Jesus gives us when we join his family. Secondly, Jesus provides miracles. He provides maturity and provides miracles. Look at verse 43 with me. And awe, you can also translate this fear, awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. What does it mean that Jesus was providing miracles to his family? What this is not, this is not spectacle, okay? This is not, uh, this is not, glitzy, impressive um, uh, sort of um, gimmicks that was being done through this, uh, the, the apostles to, to reel people in. What this is, is this is the ongoing ministry of Jesus. What this is, is the very real and tangible presence of God that was falling on the community. What this is, is a restoration of life every dimension of life, psychologically, spiritually, physically, and relationally. The things that had died among the people that uh, were coming into Christ's family, Jesus was breathing his Holy Spirit on them and was making them a new creation. The miracles done through the family of God are comprehensive, and you know what? Unpredictable. The only way to experience the richness and the power of the miracle that happens when God's spirit descends upon his church is to lean in and join. To come week after week to your small group and pray over the cancer and pray um, over the injuries and pray over the broken marriage and pray over the, over the children who are hurting. 
week after week, that's when the family of God begins to see the absolute miracle that happens when Jesus continues his ministry, continues his supernatural work in his family. It's going to look different for us than it looks over in Kenya right now. It's going to look different for us than it looked at in Acts 2. The Lord is always doing new and incredible things. But mark my words, the supernatural power of God is available to his church when they're gathered and when they're scattered throughout the city. So, so uh, consider this as you consider what your commitments are going to be. Jesus provides maturity. Jesus provides miracles. We wait on both of these things together as we persist. Thirdly, Jesus provides meals. Meals. Let's read together uh, uh, verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So you'll see in verse 44, all who believed were together and they had all things in common. And that there was a, people that were selling possessions so that they could provide for needs that was available in the community. So here, when I talk about meals, this is shorthand for a shared sacrificial bond. A shared sacrificial bond. It starts with meals, as I spend some of my money and energy and creativity to make make some food for you, or you do the same for me. But then we sit down together and we talk about how life is going and then we start to make connections of, oh my goodness, you've got these incredible needs and I've got some some means to help you with that. The meal is just an entryway to a shared sacrificial bond that we share for the rest of the week in every other dimension of life. There was no rule here. There was no like, hey, well, if you follow Jesus, you have to sell all your possessions and this is not a rule, okay? This is a movement of love. You can see that in verse 46, they're receiving their food with glad and generous hearts. There's an overflow of thanksgiving. Now, I want you to contrast this with what it feels like to be completely independent. Have you ever been completely independent? Where you kind of do whatever you wanted in the week? You, you had enough disposable income to maybe travel or, or eat out to your favorite restaurant and you know, get together with, with fun friends and things like that, but at the end of the day, you were kind of alone. And doesn't that every once in a while just sort of start to wear thin, being alone, being completely independent, being unattached? You don't have to make any sacrifices at all because your life is just sort of about you and about, you know, you, you, have, you have commitments at work and, and things like that, but it's a, you know, I give you these hours and you give me the money and I'm out of there. But who are you sacrificing with and who sacrifices for you? That's a lonely place to be. Independence is thrilling, but it starts to wear thin. And here we have a shared, sacramental, sacrificial, satisfying bond among the family of God. These these aren't aren't just meals. These are messy meals. (laughs) These are sleeves rolled up, shared life. Now listen, some of you are gonna see uh, the small group options in, your, in, your, in, in the sheet that's in your bulletin. 
And you're going to be like, hey, maybe I can join a small group. And some of you actually will take the absolutely bold step of joining a small group, which is amazing. And I encourage you to do that. So when you do that, here's, what I, here's the mindset I want to encourage you to think about. The people listed on the, the, uh, the, the sheet of small group leaders have made the first step in being sacrificial. They're opening their homes to host you. And that's, you know, you know this is, that's a lot of work to host people week in, week out. And, and it's like from September all the way through May of 2018. Okay, it's a big time. First of all, small group leaders, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. When you show up, I want you to invite yourself into the mess. I want you to say, what can I bring? What can I, how can I begin to sacrifice? Maybe, maybe it starts with just bringing a loaf of bread. I mean, it's not, it's something that's going to absolutely break you. It's just some way to sacrifice out of love in response to the small group leaders who have invited you into their homes. And watch Jesus provide for you. Watch Jesus bring you the absolute satisfaction of living a shared, sacramental, satisfying bond with the family of God. Jesus provides, uh, he provides maturity for his family. He provides um, what was the second one again? Miracles. And then he provides meals. Now listen, it's one thing for me to say it, isn't it? For all these flowery things about uh, what happened in the early church. But what happens when someone actually joins? And I actually, I've asked the young woman who shared with me a few years ago um, what it was like for her on the other end of our conversation. So Sharon, why don't you come on up and share what the Lord did in your life? Hello. Um, I'm really excited to share with you guys. Um, so I was raised in a group that taught me false things about Jesus Christ. Um, and so I, I lived in a world that um, was dictated by terror-induced obedience and um, a lot. So I lived with a lot of fear, and I was just always scared of feeling pain because um, that's what I, that's the one thing I could expect. And so that's what I knew of God, and I, um, yeah, that, that's how I grew up. Um, there were also a lot of like elusive expectations that I had that were associated with being a Christian and um, being a daughter and being a person. And I was always trying to figure it out so I could get by with the, the least amount of pain, um, physically and emotionally and mentally. And so I, I spent a lot of energy doing that. And um, I worked really hard. And I was really tired. I was a tired little girl, but I, I didn't I didn't know how to say that. I didn't really know how to acknowledge that. Um, and so um, also there wasn't really a room for me to, to question what was happening. And so I just accepted it as what was and what I should learn how to be 
um, accepting of. Um, and so, and it was all with the name God, um, this person who I believe is with us right now, the Lord Jesus Christ, but he was misrepresented to me gravely, and it was a very harmful thing. Um, and so, um, so when I was about 20, I, I was kind of reached a point of just being, uh, in an exhausting way, just being confused and terrified. And um, I just, I became in, incapacitated mentally and emotionally and physically and relationally, definitely. And so, um, so that was really scary and I didn't know what to do. Um, and the one person who I felt like I could reach out to was uh, the person who I can't see, but he has, I'd heard the most promise about him. <laughs> and, um, and so despite like my lack of experience of him being good and, and kind, um, I'd never really felt it, but I had learned how to make mental assent to it. And so I, but I asked him and um, I asked him to help me. And so then many, many times for a couple of years alone, I would, I mean, like I had friends and, and stuff, but no, no real like connection, I would say, because I was just scared of people. Um, social anxiety, like to <laughs> a lot. Um, but uh, I was I decided to to ask him for help, and what he did was he made himself known to me as the the most safe person and um, the most real person, the most tender and kind and the most generous. And so uh, I experienced him that way um, in the dark alone. And um, it was very, very special, and it was the sweetest thing I'd ever experienced. Um, but what I didn't know was that that was not the limit to the, the beauty and the sustenance of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, because uh, I, fr a friend told me about Emmanuel, and he told me that I could, uh, I could enjoy this sustenance in a, in a greater way. And so I'm really glad that I came to Emmanuel. And like Father Aaron said, I, I came and um, I wasn't like, oh, let me like become a member because I have so much to offer. And because I, um, I just know, know that everybody wants me here. And I don't know. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it just wasn't like that. I wanted to hide. I, I would just sit back there and I um, would try to like just keep it together. Um, I would try not to shake physically because um, I just never knew what any person, the safest, sweetest, you know, anybody never knew how that would affect me um, emotionally and physically. And so I just tried to be okay. Um, but, but what I was tasting was something that it matched what I had dreamed of, actually exceeded what I had, had dreamed of. But I, I just like, it was finally an experience to match. Because in the dark, um, when I had like looked up at God, uh, and he had always been there, um, like the, the verse that said, where Jesus says in, in, uh, in scripture, he says that all that the father gives him will come to him and that the one who comes to him, he will never cast out. I experienced that, um, that he always was there. 
um, he always let me come to him. He always came to me. It was a very, like, beautiful thing that I can't quite, it's definitely not an equation, um, but it's beautiful and real. I experienced that. Um, but, um, but, but being here at Emmanuel, I, I experienced it in, in, a, um, in a greater way because I, um, I got to think about what it would mean to be a committed part of this family. And um, like Father Aaron said, I, I didn't want to right away. Um, I was scared because I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could trust people, people who were talking about God. I was like, that's like, that's cool. Like, but I, I'd rather just like, he's safe in secret. Like, um, he, he's safe, um, you know, with like, I, I just didn't know like who to trust when it came to talking about God. And, um, and then I also was scared of what expectations people might have of me because um, in the past, being a part of a church always meant like having something to give, um, something to contribute. And, and I think that there's a lot of good to that. But I, I just knew that what I had was, was like ultimately limited. And so, um, yeah, but I'm really glad that I decided to become a member of Emmanuel. That was about um, two two years ago, and um, um, and I would just like to lastly share with you three of the gifts that Jesus has given me through um, my encounter of Him here. I did not know how generously I would be given to by him. And so one of the gifts that he gave me was healing. I'm being healed every single day. I'm not kidding. Like, it is every day. And I feel like extra healing happens on Sundays. But, like, um, because when um, when I meet with you, all of you here, um, and you pray for me and... Um, we listen to Jesus together. My, I, I receive more life because I encounter the life of the world. And so I, um, that's the first gift that I receive um, that I have been for, for years is his healing in my life. So what that looks like, it's not just an idea. It means that I don't physically shake as much as I used to when I have an interaction with a human being. Um, that has changed in my life. And I attribute it to this table. I attribute it to you guys. Um, absolutely, th- therapy has helped. Um, and, and, but I, I know that all that I have comes from the Lord Jesus because from him, through him, and to him are all things. And so um, I, give, um, I give him the credit for me being healed and continuing to experience the healing that I need every day. Um, and the second gift that I receive here at Emmanuel is nourishment. The most significant meal that I eat every week is when somehow um, the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he says to all of us, take, eat, this is my body, this is my blood. And I, nobody's ever given themselves to me that generously, let me lean my full weight on them. And he does that, and he does that with all of us as we, as we all come as a family and we line up to, to, to open our hands to receive his body and his blood. And um, 
I'm, I'm fed this way. And um, the third gift that I want to share with you that I've received from him is the opportunity to serve. I, that didn't, for most of my life, service didn't seem like a, a gift. It was an obligation, and it was something that I should put on a smile, as I do. Um, I should try to, like, teach myself how to get some sort of satisfaction out of it. But, um, but it's totally different to serve somebody who you know loves you, who wants the best for you, and um, who is a beautiful person and who is enjoyable and so and and who is capable and who has these dreams that he's carrying on his shoulders um and but he lets us uh, follow him and so it's been an opportunity uh, a really a really big gift for me to have different small ways to serve here at Emmanuel and um and so uh I w- I would say that one of the yeah, hopefully this like summarizes um, that like I my, my understanding of who God is has greatly changed and I have greatly changed um, and I thank God so much for getting to be here a part of this family and um, yeah, thanks be to God. I'll never forget the conversation that Sharon and I had recently. Uh, It was up in this direction after church, which is where I hang out and talk to people, and she was sharing the ministry that her and Quentin Rembrandt were um, taking part in, which was the community Bible study. Sharon was uh, was connecting with people here in Uptown uh, across the street at our Wilson Center, teaching them how to read the scriptures. And I saw the, the glow of Christ on her face as she talked about how the Lord was using her. Okay, so which, by the way, P.S., the fourth M is multiplication. Verse 47. Family of God is praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray that Sharon's testimony can be multiplied many, many times over through our church. Let's pray that Uh, through Sharon and through you all, that the ministry of Jesus will be multiplied, not not only here at Emmanuel, but also beyond our church, through the small groups and in your neighborhoods, in your vocation, as you learn your gifts and as you grow in Christ and bear fruit for his name. That's what's on the other end of joining the family of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.